Hello and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is still true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. Shalom. There exists a belief that when the law was given to Israel, that it was only given to Israel. In the minds of those that subscribe to such doctrine, the law of God is not for anyone that cannot trace their lineage back to Israel. A little study easily proves that this common understanding should be tested further. A mixed multitude was at Sinai, which included Gentiles. Exodus chapter 12. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. This mixed multitude is sandwiched and opposed to the women and children that are mentioned earlier in the verse, and then after the livestock that also accompanied them. So the mixed multitude is something different than just being Israelites with women and children or the livestock that went along with the Israelites. Now we'll see some possible evidence here in Leviticus 24 about who these mixed multitudes were. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. So we see the mixed multitude was Egyptians leaving Egypt along with Israel. And we see that the law of God was not for Israel only. The Torah was always intended for anyone who says to our Creator, I will follow and do your will. Exodus chapter 12. The same law applies to both the native-born and the foreigner residing among you. Leviticus 24. You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native-born. I am Yahweh your God. Numbers 9. A foreigner residing among you is also to celebrate Yahweh's Passover in accordance with its rules and regulations. You must have the same regulations for both the foreigner and the native-born. Numbers 15. The community is to have the same rules for you and the foreigner residing among you. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You and the foreigner shall be the same before Yahweh. Numbers 15. The same laws and regulations will apply both to you and the foreigner residing among you. The interesting thing is this, that when Yahweh addressed those in the faith, he addressed them as Israel, despite a person's origin. This means that in the eyes of Yahweh, an Egyptian was Israel as well, as long as they were in the faith. They were never referred to as a mixed multitude again. Passover was for all who said, I will, to the covenant. This occurred after Passover, but before Sinai. Exodus 19. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. Both Israel and the accompanying Gentiles entered into covenant with our Creator and proceeded to receive the instructions of the Torah at Sinai. In the Exodus, the Gentiles were grafted into Israel and considered all Israel in the eyes of Yahweh. Does this sound familiar? Paul wrote of this occurring again in the first century following the Passover related to our Messiah. Remember, the olive tree is metaphorically Israel, Romans 11. 
And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you are cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Being grafted in and becoming Israel is immensely important, because in order to enter into the gates of the new Jerusalem at the very end, you need to be part of Israel. Revelation chapter 21. With twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates of the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. So, each and every gate into the new Jerusalem was the name of a tribe of Israel. It might be asked then, how do we know what tribe we are to be in if we are originally Gentiles to start with? There is no gate into the new Jerusalem labeled Gentiles. Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48 describe events that will take place during the 1,000 year reign of our Messiah. You can also find that in Revelation chapter 20 verse 6. It describes a time in which Yeshua returns and the first resurrection takes place. We are all then gathered together and brought into the land as we are promised long ago. The land that becomes Israel is massively larger than the land politically called Israel today. The land is divided up and given to you according to what tribe you fall into. The details are given to us by the prophet Ezekiel. However, what we want to know is how do Gentiles, like many of us, become assigned to a specific tribe so that when we arrive to the New Jerusalem after the 1,000-year reign, we then know which gate to enter. How does that work? The end of Ezekiel chapter 47 answers this for us. The Gentile, or foreigner, chooses which tribe they want to reside in, and that dictates their tribe status. Ezekiel 47. So you shall divide this land among you according to the tribes of Israel. You shall allot it as inheritance for yourselves and for the sojourners who reside among you and have children among you. They shall be to you as native-born children of Israel. With you, they shall be allotted inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the sojourner resides, you shall assign him his inheritance, declares Yahweh God. This will be a very interesting time indeed. So those that attempt to theologically separate themselves from Israel, and consequently the Torah, are a case of confused identity. They really don't know who they are. You are not Gentiles. You were once Gentiles, but now you're grafted into Israel, just like those before you. You were once Gentiles, but you are no more. You are the commonwealth of Israel, a citizen of the one nation of our Creator. Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, remember that you at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Messiah Yeshua, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you would like to know the larger purpose of Israel, we would recommend the teaching, The Lost Sheep. We especially recommend that teaching video if what we just covered caused more questions than answers. We hope that this teaching has blessed you. And remember, continue to test everything. Shalom.
the Apostle Paul, a proclaimed Pharisee turned champion of the faith, writing 13 letters which would later become the pillars of Christian doctrine. Millions today use Paul to teach the changing of the law of God, despite the fact that other scriptures declare something quite contrary to the common interpretations of his writings. King David tells us that the law of God is freedom. But many believe Paul said the law of God is slavery. But Paul also said that we should follow the law of God. And he said that he delights in the law of God. But he also said that we are not under the law. This may be completely new to you. You may have never considered any of this. Welcome to The Pauline Paradox, a modern theological reality in which many turn a blind eye. We confront this paradox head on and seek, once and for all, to understand the true Hebraic context in which his words were originally authored, to bring reconciliation to his words, regardless of the depth of this challenge. We discover that Paul stated that he followed the whole law of God and even taught the law of God. We show how Peter, a person who knew Paul better than any today, warned us of how Paul's writings regarding the law were difficult to understand and how his words are misunderstood easily. If one did not know the Old Testament well enough even 2,000 years ago, Peter warned that misunderstanding Paul would cause one to break the law of God in ignorance. We find that even in the first century, Paul was constantly falsely accused of not keeping the law of God. We even see James defending Paul, proving that Paul kept and taught the law of God. This is all in the Bible. One of the keys to unlocking the context of Paul's letters is to have a proper understanding of the debates of the first century. In this series, we will cross-reference several passages to reveal the ongoing dialogue which occurred between the parties involved. We show how Paul was constantly accused of not teaching the whole law of God, and when he was confronted with such accusations, he always claimed to follow and teach the whole law of God even to the point of paying for sacrifices at the temple to prove such accusations to be false. Does this all sound too crazy to be true? We implore you to test everything, to challenge your faith and seek truth, not tradition. The first teaching in the Pauline Paradox series is titled, Is the Majority Ever Wrong? We address the first mental barrier, which is a misplaced confidence in the self-professed doctrinal experts who claim to understand Paul's words. Then, in the teaching, the Paul you never knew, we reveal words of Paul that many never see, the real Paul, the Paul that kept and taught the whole law of God. Following that, we detail in the teaching, why is Paul so difficult to understand, the root cause of why so many misunderstand Paul. This then leads us into the teaching, which law Paul, which to the surprise of many, exposes the fact that Paul was not always just talking about the law of God when he spoke of the law. In fact, Paul mentions at least seven laws. The law of God, the law of sin, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life, the law of faith, the law of righteousness, the law of Christ. What are all these laws and how do they relate to one another? More importantly, how does it help us understand Paul's letters in respect to the law of God to help us avoid the error of the lawless that Peter warns us about in reading Paul's letters? It is in that that we then, verse by verse, dive deep into Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, and more 
to solve and reconcile the Pauline Paradox once and for all. We make it available to you in one series so you can test all of this yourself to the unchanging Word of God. For more free information, including these free video teachings, please visit us at testeverything.net. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.